You've just been listening to another great Genuinely You podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Genuinely You is a culmination of Gina's work, spanning over 30 years, of helping people learn what makes them feel happy and truly fulfilled, and how to achieve it. Please visit genuinely-u.com today to find out more. Hello there, it's Gina Gardner here, and I'm joined by my good friend, Rachel Davidson. We're going to be talking today um, on Passionate World Radio about how you can have loving, great relationships with others. Now, so many people have trouble with relationships, and at times it could be very specifically with their partners or their family, their children, friends, or colleagues at work. And for some people, actually they find all relationships pretty tricky. I think the fundamental principle with relationships is that every relationship that you have is a relation, a, a direct mirror of the relationship that you have with yourself. If you feel good about yourself, then you're far less likely to put up with other people treating you badly. You're going to respond and communicate with those people in a very different way than if you're on the back foot all the time because you think you're not worthy, that you're not worth being treated well. So over the next 30 minutes, we're going to explore how you can have positive and healthy relationships with others. I would say to you that first and foremost, have a look at the relationship that you have with yourself. When you talk about yourself to others, do you talk in positive terms or do you tell people, I'm no good at that or I'm, I'm stupid or I'm clumsy? Do you denigrate yourself? Because many people do, and the message that you're giving to other people is one thing, but actually the message that you're giving to yourself is so much more powerful when you're denigrating yourself than when other people are. Because there's no escape. You can't say, oh, they didn't mean it, because you did. And I think it's something to be very mindful of. Another pattern of behaviour which demonstrates that people's relationship with themselves may be not as good and healthy as it might be, is when people qualify what they say. So instead of saying, you know, that's one of my strengths, I'm good at that, they'll say, I'm all right, or I'm quite good at that. And I sometimes say to clients, so if you're quite good at it, what needs to happen for you to be able to say that you're really good at it? And they think for a moment, and often they recalibrate the judgment. Or I'll say to them, if it was somebody else doing it and doing it that well, would you describe it as quite good, good, very good or excellent? And so often, if it was somebody else, it was great. But if it's themselves, mm. oh, it's just something little. Oh, so good, yeah. Rachel, have you experienced that with other people and for yourself, really? Mm. Yeah, I mean... I think generally speaking, I've got quite a good relationship with myself, and I just used the quite, not a great phrase. But there are definitely Achilles heels um, in my life, um, with work colleagues, with friends that have come and friends that have gone, and um, family members, of course, children, um, ex-husbands, mums and dads, and so on. Um, And although I uh, feel generally that I'm relatively kind to myself, relatively nice, there's always an Achilles heel, isn't there? There's always a weakness. 
Um, and I know that we, in my own scenario that um, I can uh, trace those with lots of hard work and thinking, trace it back to a, a point of fear in, in me as to why I allow somebody to, to behave in a certain way or why I don't speak up in the moment. And it's because I'm, I'm fearful of something. I think fear is very much at the heart of probably every issue around relationships. Yeah. Fear that we will be seen as lesser. Yeah. I feel that we feel it will be judged. I think a lot of that goes back to fear of rejection and yes. we're hot wired. You know, we like to think that we are so evolved, yes. but actually there is still very much the caveman, the tribal person who if you were put outside the tribe, your survival was actually was slim. Yes. Uh, chances of surviving very slim because you needed people around you to mm. gather food to protect and so on. Mm. And I think for most people, at the heart of it, fear of rejection. Mm. If I don't comply, if I'm not quiet, if I mm. am seen as too um, arrogant, mm. people won't like me, they will reject me. Mm. I had uh, speaking to a friend who has had suffered um, at the ultimate sort of loss, if you like, in that um, her spouse had passed away. And... Um, she was several years on from that trauma, but um, her children um, were sort of, she was allowing them to do whatever they wanted and, and allowing them to speak it to her in, what, in whatever way they wanted. And her then partner sort of challenged her and said, what, why do you let them talk to you like that? And after quite a lot of backing forthing, she blurted out, almost as a surprise to herself, I think, um, because they'll leave me too. <clears throat> and... Uh, uh, and it was sort of a moment of, of quietness in her, in the sense that she'd suddenly spoken the truth from nowhere and she realised that, you know, it, it was quite a ridiculous thing to fear, it, especially in your children, especially the age they were. You know, where were they going to go, for starters? <laughs> and, and was really her behaviour of pandering to them, protecting her from, from that loss of them. Yes. Um, but even having sort of acknowledged the fear... It, it wasn't an easy and still isn't an easy process for her. Um, and I recognise that too. I see that. I mean, I think for everybody, awareness has to be the first stage, yeah. doesn't it? You can't yeah. do anything about things that you have no awareness of. But that's when the work comes in. Yeah. And, and ultimately, um, working on yourself, I think, is a lifelong process. And that we go through cycles, perhaps, where we feel more confident about ourselves and then something will happen and that will knock that confidence yeah. for a little while. I mean, one of the things that strikes me as I work with so many people, both in, in terms of individuals and in couples, mm. Mm. is how often we make meaning of something that somebody has said or done or not said or yes. done. Yes. And that meaning is something that we've made up. It's not necessarily the reality. Yes. But we're very good at making up stories. Yes. And if there is any sort of gap, we will make meaning of that gap. Mm. It doesn't make it right. It mm. makes it our opinion, our perspective. And I think one of the things I would say to listeners, you know, over the next few days, consider how often you interpret the way in which other people treat and speak to you mm. in a negative way. Mm. And so I'm reminded, you know, of, of times when clients have said, you know, they've gone out of their way to make me unhappy, mm. when actually I think the reality is that there's simply collateral damage mm. to people who are 
busy doing their own stuff mm. and not being aware of the fact that what they're doing has the capacity yeah. to wound or hurt. Yeah. And of course, if you haven't got a great relationship with yourself, you're on the lookout for hurt. Yeah. Look out for evidence. See, I told you I wasn't worth much. Yeah. Look how they treat me. Yeah. That must mean yeah. I have no value. And it's so hard in the moment, isn't it, when when hurts happen. It's, it's so difficult for a lot of people to not just react to that, almost like at the, the base brain level of just a reaction to, to the stimulus that's come in and not to stand back and say, well, actually, hang on, am, am I feeling very upset about that particular comment or that behaviour or, or, or approach or lack of because of something that's in my own head? Or am I doing it um, because actually that is very hurtful and yes. I should stand up to that? Yes. And and how 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 do you stop being paralysed by that sort of, I, I don't know, is this just me or is, is this actually a, a thing I should say no no more no, no more of that behavior towards me please how do you get there I think the first thing is having an understanding and an awareness that motives are not always what you assume mm. and I think that's why I'm suggesting that people look for the pattern 95% mm. of what we do and think is habitual yeah. that's the research that yeah. we very little of what we do in the moment mm. is actually pre-considered. Uh, mm. It's often triggered by old stuff. Yes. So uh, somebody uses a particular tone of voice or yes. a perceived action reminds you at unconscious level of a previous hurt. Yes. And then um, we make meaning of that. Mm. And that meaning often becomes unshakable mm. because we interpret that as evidence yeah when when you take a step back and often time is the thing that helps as so you you know hindsight is a, a very wonderful and exact science in fact <laughs> the only one yeah. um that that perspective that time gives you um allows you to see what well, actually that person was busy dealing with their own stuff or mm. they were very clumsy in the way in which they were doing something mm. they didn't intend to hurt you mm. but you have taken hurt from it mm. now does that mean it hurts any the less no it doesn't oh, okay. but once you have an awareness that actually your meaning may not be the reality mm. then you have the opportunity to deal with that interaction mm. in a different way because what you're talking about is is that uh, concept around managing yourself first the relationship absolutely with yourself, and the fact that that Generally speaking, you have choices of how you react to everything that happens. And um, although perhaps in some moments it doesn't necessarily feel like you've got yes. much of a choice, but in reality you do. Would you say all the time? I think we, if you take on board that we are the only people who are responsible for us, unless mm. you're talking about very small children or babies, yeah, yeah. Um, no one can make you unhappy, angry, frustrated, sad, joyous, mm. unless you choose to let them. Mm. Now, many people find that initially a very difficult concept. Yes. Because so many of us um, give the responsibility of our emotional well-being particularly to other people. Yes. And I'll be happy if the other person 
yeah. is happy and is treating me in this particular way. Yes. And the reality is, actually, you choose. Yeah. Now, you can choose to stay and be happy or mm. at least not be affected by that person. Mm. Or you always have the choice to walk away. Mm. What I would say to you is that walking away without slamming the door and saying mm. something <laughs> rather rude, <laughs> I would say is the preferred way of, of being. But you have the choice. Yes. And even in the most tricky situations, mm. you may not be able to leave in that moment, but you have the choice to say, I'm not putting up with this. Mm. What I find fascinating is you cannot change somebody else's behaviour mm. unless they choose to. Yes. yes. But once you start to deal with things differently, yeah. there is a difference in the way the other person reacts. Yeah. Now, it's not instant and it's not guaranteed, but I've seen it now so many times when people come to me and say, I want to change my partner's way of being. Yeah, I say... Yeah. Actually, I can't help you with that. I can <laughs> yeah. help you change your reaction to it or yes. the way in which you interact with it. Yes. And that may have the effect that you want. Yeah. But you have to start. It always comes back to starting with you. Yes, and, the, and that's, that's sort of like the language of arguments, really, isn't it? Because arguments can, it can happen and get more heated and, and be longer because of the language that each part party is using against one another where they're basically saying you know you made me feel like this you did all yes. of this and not taking and and I know, I know just from reading and, and being in the world for long enough that that's that use of language you're supposed to try and own it more yourself so that the person has the person that, that has upset you and you're trying to communicate to has a bit of space themselves to to recognize that hurt has happened but that it's not necessarily you know they're not being crucified for it You're, no. it's a request for things to be different next time please i think there's a couple of points here that are really important to say one if you back somebody into a corner mm. rather like rats in a trap they'll go on the attack yeah because they've got nowhere else to go yeah but the other um thing about this is rather than saying you made me unhappy you mm. made me angry you made me frustrated a much more um, open and powerful way of communicating is when you do that yeah that has an impact on me yeah and I feel this yeah yeah but the time to do that is not in the middle of the heat of the argument and no. I think a lot of people try to deal with the underlying issue in that moment mm. when nobody's listening mm. And actually, you get much further when things have calmed down mm. for, to say, I'd like to talk about the situation yesterday. And what I realise is that when you're doing that, mm. it has um, a, a, an impact on me. It's my stuff, but I need you to know mm. that, that I feel very unhappy mm. when that's going on. Yeah. So taking ownership of the emotion, yes. and then there's a chance to unpick it. Yes. And I think that goes hand in hand with when we're upset, mm. we tend to stand on our dignity and want to be right yes. and have the last word. Yes, yes. I think it's highly overrated. Yeah. Now, there are times when it's important that what you say is listened to yes. and that the rightness of what you say mm. is imperative. So mm. 
if you're a brain surgeon and you're telling your assistant to do it in a particular way, mm. it's important that it's done that way. If you're a pilot yes. and you're giving instructions, being given instructions by uh, the, the tele, the tower. Yes. Those instructions, there's no argument, oh, you know, shall I go two degrees to the left? Well, I don't think yes. I should. Yes. However, in most situations, it's opinion. That's right. And in those examples you use, there's, those organisations have great discipline and they practice that discipline over and over again so that when orders are given, human interaction doesn't get in the way of it. Absolutely. So there's a definite line of, I, mu I have to obey this, this person above what they say. So, so it's very clear. But of course, in, in the mess of normal human life, <laughs> there isn't an authority in that sense. But, but nevertheless, the principles that are involved around um, you know, authority of owning one's own emotions and describing them in a way that allows a, a, another person to hear it without feeling attacked themselves is, is a critical and skill like to have. And like anything, the more you think about it and do it in that way, the better you'll get at it. Mm. It's not an instantly you'll be able to do it. Mm. Um, and so one of the things that I talk to clients about is where they know there are patterns of behaviour that have been going on for time, maybe with a colleague or with a friend or mm. with your parents, um, then actually create... Um, a practice run of what you might say because you know they're going to do it again. Yes. yes. So that it, instead of trying to think of something in the moment, because lots of people in the heat of the moment wish they could Just find that fast, sensible <laughs> thing to say, <laughs> and they don't. They yeah. and that puts them on the back foot. So then they go into attack themselves. Mm. So you know, if you were working with a anybody where there's a pattern of their behaviour that you find difficult, mm. then think about what you might do differently if you always do what you've always done you'll always get what you've always got yeah i think the other principle i would say is if there is um uh, aggression going on and i don't think there's ever a case that makes aggression okay no. um but if you add more fire to that you're just going to end up with, with a bigger argument yes and so that's the time to actually say, I don't think there's any point in carrying on this mm. conversation, mm. so let's leave it for now. Mm. And leave the room mm. without the flounce, mm -hmm. without the banging the door, mm. because those are shouts. You yes. might not think they are. Oh, no, I know they are. And and in my life I have enjoyed, men, enjoyed many a door slam. <laughs> <laughs> There's a momentary satisfaction. Momentary satisfaction. <laughs> um, and very occasionally, I think, you know, I'm sure it's just, you feel it's justified, but actually it's counterproductive. Yes. Um, and this is about having a discipline yourself, mm. managing your own emotions and yourself mm. first. Mm. And that requires a lot of emotional intelligence. And going back to that, that thing of being right, I mean, that, that is like a crazily addictive drug, isn't it? It certainly is. And how do you wean yourself off that? Well, you have to look at what are the consequences. Mm. And ultimately, it's a balance. If the consequence of always being right mm. are that you're ultimately unhappy mm. or you're making somebody else very unhappy, mm. then you have to think, is it worth it? Yeah. Because it's destroyed so many relationships. Yes. The being right or the having to have the last word. Yes. Uh, and the last word can in include a flounce and a door slam. Yes. <laughs> uh, mid 
of anything is body language. Mm. And, you know, you can be saying the nicest thing with your mouth, yeah. But if your body language is saying something different, or the tone of, tone your, of voice, your voice, yes, and the tone of voice, I think, is the thing that triggers most people. Yes, it I takes think. them back to a time when they were being nagged by a critical parent, or yeah. a difficult teacher, or children were being unkind to them, and they mm. were felt bullied. Yeah. Um, that tone of voice has the capacity to change mature people back to the age of five, six, ten, whatever. Yes, yes. Um, it, and, you know, when you get into that argy-bargy, what it does is it brings the toddler out in us all. Yes. And people yes. throw their toys out the pram, yeah. um, and you end up with a tantrum, yeah. often on both sides. A particular look on a, on a person's face. Yes, that, that pursed-lipped look. It's, yeah, it's not what they're saying at all. It's not the actual words manner in which they're approaching yes. <laughs> yeah um you know for me all of this is about if you care about someone mm. or if you've got to work with someone um, and that relationship is not of your choice but is of a necessity then it makes sense to create the most positive relationship that you can yeah what I am not saying is mm. that that means you keep your mouth shut and you say nothing. Oh, I see. I'm interested in that because because as I, as as I'm listening to, to the issues and and often actually in my own life, I, um, I I feel that okay. So I've done a bit of work on myself, let's say, and I feel I'm I'm quite uh, mature about and and handling. But I find that the opposite happens to me that that those around me are not quite so mature and emotionally intelligent. Um, they do stuff that is unthinking uh, and literally unthinking. They don't realise that what what their behaviour does is have an impact on others in a negative way. And I find find myself saying, well, as if you like the grown up and in inverted commas here, I guess I should just. And then often I find myself saying, I should just swallow this. I should just put up with this. And, and I almost go to the opposite end, yeah. where actually the better thing would be to just speak up in the moment. So before it got too big, before I began to feel burdened Absolutely. by the whole thing. I think it's a this business of I have to say nothing. Mm. I think is, if we're talking about the odd thing, mm. then very often that might be the right way. But again, look for the patterns. Mm. And if the pattern is that you feel that you are being... Um, made to feel silent because the outpouring would be too big to manage or yeah. that you feel that nobody's ready to listen I think again you need to look to your why you're doing it yes and that you know dealing with other people's challenge is not about staying silent you need to be authentic okay but what people do is they leave it and leave it and leave it until it becomes something huge yes and then when they start to talk about what's gone on in the past people say but you're nitpicking yes whereas if in the moment or after the moment you yes. you actually brought that up and said i want you i need you to to yeah. know yeah. that actually that that has had an impact on me mm. and i'd rather you didn't do it mm. there will be um, you know they'll kick back mm. but the kickback will be little yes. and over time they will begin to learn what's acceptable and what's not yes. Um, yes and if they don't then you have the chance to choose 
whether or not that relationship is going to be continued or not. Yes, yes. Now, in the work context, mm. this all often happens when there's something going wrong and the manager, the boss, says nothing. Yeah. And says nothing and says nothing until suddenly it's so big that the person gets the sack or they get a real rollicking. Mm. Um, when, if the expectation is set, and this is true of children and partners as yes, well, yes. you set the expectation, this is how you know, it needs to be done, mm. and then you hold people to that expectation. Mm. You know, uh, as children, if you have children, that you know, an expectation that they're going to help around the house. Mm. And then it's about cause and consequence. Mm. You know, there is an expectation that you would behave or do this. If you don't, this is the consequence. Yes. Learning the n- neutral voice, and I'm modelling the neutral voice okay. at the moment. Yeah. There's no edge. No. When you put an edge, a whine, a screech, (laughs) a nag into it, then people can take the moral high ground and they can wriggle out of what they've done because they are accusing you of behaving in a particular way. Yes. Neutral voice gives no wriggle room. Yes. Being clear, and I think that's where the preparation comes in and that's why I'm suggesting to people that don't bite back in the moment Mm. that you have time to be measured about what is really going on here Mm. is this something that's important enough for you to um to to tackle Mm. should you know is it a pattern and i think it's really important to look for patterns Mm. um and okay what is it you want to say yeah and i've you know i've worked with clients who found it very hard to talk about these things and so what they've done is they've written a letter Uh, and they've said to the person look I I get upset I I want to be measured about this would you read the letter please because Mm. it says all the things I'd like to Mm. say yeah and that can be really powerful too Mm. Mm. um because it communication doesn't have to be um verbal what I would say is be very wary of texts and emails because yeah. so often those are misinterpreted. Yes. Um, yes. The nuance of how people are looking, um, their facial expression, whether they're actually touching, yes. um, that can make a huge difference. Yeah, massive difference. One of the other things I'd like to talk about is unconditional love. Right. Or unconditional caring. Uh-huh. Because so many people put conditions I will love you if you do what I want. Yes. I will love you if you don't argue with me, yes. if you um, give me presents. Or sex is another thing that people will barter yeah. with. Yeah, you know, if, you're, if you do what I want, mm. then, you know, we can uh, be intimate. Mm. And I think it's something that, that's a, a pattern that people are often completely unaware of. Yes. And the working with couples, there is a huge difference between affection Mm. and intimacy Mm. and often where affection is lacking Mm. relationships break down yes so again this is about awareness look at the relationships you have with your children Mm. and the relationships you have with your partner um parents as well Mm. you how often do you say and they're not it's not saying these words Mm. it's the essence behind them yeah that you know if you're good, and so many children learn, yes. if I'm good, i.e. compliant, yes. then my parent will love me. Yes. If I yes. do well at school, then I have a value. Yes. If I'm naughty, 
or if I, I I'm you know a child yeah then I my make pet, mistakes and I think that's where the, the fear of failure comes in yeah that you know if I fail people won't love me that's right when actually failure is a is a stage in development we mm. learn much more when we fail than we do yes. when we succeed yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I think recognizing that you know attention is mm. what most people crave yes they'll have it on any terms so yes. if you're not recognising when people are doing the right things, yeah. they will get attention for doing the wrong things. And time and time again with children who were struggling at school mm. uh, to, to fit in, mm. you found that either the teacher and or the parent mm. were so focused on what the child did wrong yeah. that that's when they got the attention that they wanted. Yes. Now, I appreciate it's difficult at times to ignore the bad behavior and yes. i'm not suggesting that it's all ignored no but if you only focus on that yes then children have no way back do they yes and and also going back to your consequences and the you know the impact of behavior and, and the expectations as long as if you're setting those up in that very neutral very clear cut that very sort of you know it's just a fact that if if you don't um, meet the expectations of behaviour in the house or in society or whatever, that there is a is a clear consequence, and it's not delivered with a sort of a a delight. It's just delivered, yes. and often that takes the heat out of it, especially with a parent child relationship. But I think we're all actually just very big children. Oh yeah, and the parent child <laughs> relationship can actually occur at work with friends. Yeah, with with partners. Yeah, um, the the way in which you deal with these things. Mm ultimately will impact on the outcome yes and the more you're able to manage your own emotional self mm. the more easily you will be able to interact with others mm. to actually see things from their point of view because mm. there's always two sides to a story you know yes. if you listen to two people giving uh, an account of the same mm. situation they will give you very different accounts yes, yes. but at the same time being true to yourself, being authentic to yeah. what's important to you. And doing that authenticity with love. And um, my, my father always used to say that the, the, the biggest thing in any relationship was kindness. I think that kindness is hugely underrated. Mm. And, you know, in any relationship, that being kind to yourself yes. and to the other person. Yes. And, you know, sometimes cut a bit of slack. Yeah, have that. I think Brené Brown talks about it in a couple of her uh, theories on on life. She talks about a particular thing of being generous to the person in that you don't assume that they meant the worst. You yes. give them that generous act of assuming that actually they probably didn't mean it that way. And if you go at it from from that point of love and kindness, then it's easier to talk to that person about. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And fear generates a, a great deal of of difficulty mm. for you and for the other person mm. and I think you know we're coming to the end of the show today what I would say to you is if you're finding it difficult to create and maintain good relationships with other people first of all have a look at the relationship that you have with yourself yes. and I really think because relationships are important they, they take work yes you know yes they're not easy. so many people take it for granted yeah. and I would finish up by saying two things 
how often do you tell the people that you care about? Mm. And that could be anything from deep love to, you know, caring about your colleagues or your mm. clients. Mm. How often do you tell them mm. um, how much you appreciate them? Mm. And I would also say there's a huge power in the word thank you. Yeah. Recognising when people uh, actually say, do something um, that actually has a positive impact on your life. Yeah. Let them know. Yeah. Because it it and makes that person feel good and reinforces the behaviours that yeah. you want to experience. Yeah. And also, whilst we're talking about words, the word sorry. Too. Oh, yes. But remember how you say it is very important. Yes. Don't do the sorry, not sorry. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But, but acknowledging when you've made a mistake. Yeah. Um, and or that there are a be- was a better way to do it. Yes. And being able to do that and truly mean it. Yes. And sorry comes with doing what you can to put things right. Yeah. Rather yeah. than a sorry and it gone. Yes. Um, I think reparation, if that's possible. Yes. Um, but at least learning from whatever's gone on. Yeah. Um, in order to um, to move forward differently. Yeah. Remember, if you want a different result. You need to do things differently. Perfect. So thank you very much for joining us today. It's been uh, our pleasure. And I look forward to seeing you on the next uh, show, or, or being with you on the next show. Thanks very much. Take care. Bye now. You've just been listening to another great Genuinely You podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Genuinely You is a culmination of Gina's work spanning over 30 years of helping people learn what makes them feel happy and truly fulfilled and how to achieve it. Please visit genuinely-u.com today to find out more.